Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 86 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today is the former owner and current ambassador of Ring of Honor. He is a gentleman and a scholar and my friend, Carrie Silken. Carrie, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you very much. And I don't know if you're going to remember this, but this is my, this is my second appearance on, the, uh, on your podcast, the ROH uh, podcast. And my last appearance, <clears throat> excuse me, was... Um, almost exactly a year ago and we had a great time and we ended it with saying um you know let's see how things are a year from now maybe you'll have maybe that'll be a good time to have me back on do you remember that i absolutely do and i remember at the time i said it uh, it seemed like it was jokingly, but it was actually serious. I think I said, yeah, we'll, we'll have you back on in a year, 52 weeks from now. Uh, we'll make it an annual thing where we have you on right around final battle time. And I said uh, jokingly, but not really. I, I'll jot it down in my, uh, my calendar here. But I really did. I jotted it down, and I had you slated for this week uh, of the podcast. And, you know, I said, God willing, we'll be able to do it. And, hey, we're both still here. And, uh, and we're able to do it. So, yeah, that was a, that was a promise made. I don't want to sound like a politician here, but that was a <laughs> promise made and a promise kept, Gary, to have you on one year well, after your last appearance. And what tumultuous – just think about it. Last year, we were still in – am I safe to say the heart of the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to – it's hard to – it's hard to place these for me. It's hard to place these the timeline. So last winter, um, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. Ring of Honor was was well. Ring of Honor was not doing shows in front of live audiences. That That's didn't right. happen until twenty one. Right. Final uh, battle. Final battle was done in front of no fans last year. Right. Um, and I didn't go. <clears throat> and uh, that was a it, so here we are a year later, and things are just as wild, crazy, unpredictable, interesting. And uh, st still, we're going to have some fun. And hopefully, this fun will be continuing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Final battle. Uh, is December 11th, Saturday, December 11th. That is, uh, if you're listening to this on the day that this podcast drops, it's December the 6th. So we are five days away from final battle. Uh, it, it has been a wild, wacky, crazy year. Tumultuous, I think, was a good word that you used. And, um, and it's a time right now of, let's be honest, there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, final battle this time around is the tagline is end of an era final battle end of an era and it, it truly is the end of an era and uh, you know the the idea is that in the early months of 2022 we will reimagine ring of honor 
uh, come back strong with a, 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 a new product, a, a re-envisioned, re-imagined, whatever word you want to use. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because that's, that's the future. Let's just talk about final battle, what we know, again, coming up in, in five days. Uh, but first, I, I mean, we'll get into the final battle card. But first, I just want to ask you, Carrie, as someone who you've been at every final battle until last year, which you, you made the decision for health reasons, uh, there was no crowd, and it was just, you know, you and I aren't spring chickens anymore, so if we don't have to go to something and we can stay home, uh, you know, maybe a good idea to do. So that was your first missed final battle. You even went to the first one at the Murphy Rec Center in 2002. You weren't even involved with the company at that point. So I just yes. have, to, I have to ask you this. Uh, for you, who's literally been there since day one at final battle, as we're coming up to this one, and it is a significant one, and it is end of an era, you have a unique perspective. So I just want to get, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, we had uh, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett on a couple weeks ago. They were talking about, the word that kept coming up was bittersweet. Uh, just can you talk a little bit about your feelings as we head into this weekend and, and, and final battle, end of an era? Well, obviously, I knew I was going to be doing this podcast with you, and I'm tr I was trying to put in my mind, you know, a, a good answer to this obvious question. Um, it's really difficult for me to uh, be eloquent and express it, but I'll try my best. My, my perspective on the whole thing is probably different than every, it's, it's very similar, yet very different to everybody else's, except, except maybe Joe Koff, because uh, I'm looking at it, I've, I've always looked at this project, you know, from, from an owner's perspective, and also a fan's perspective, and also my passion for pro wrestling and all the time I'm probably gonna go off track here but that's okay knowing, knowing all the time how what a great product ring of honor was uh going back as you mentioned to the murphy rec center ecw which i was a, a fan of was deceased uh ring of honor was exciting and I was being exposed to this new talent um, and, and revitalizing my love of pro wrestling. Obviously getting involved, we can't go through the whole story. You can listen to, to my first, my first uh, <laughs> time with you, Kevin, or, or listen to my podcast. But Ring of Honor for the last 20 years has been my life. Of course, when I when it was sold in 2011 to Sinclair, uh, it was a deep breath for me. And at least financially, I wasn't, you know, I, I was looking at it from a different perspective. But it's always, you know, it was, it was, it became my baby. And then my baby got passed, passed along uh, or graduated, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it was well taken care of. 
and it's been well taken care of. And uh, so all these final battles, whether it was that first one when I was a fan at the Murphy Wreck, whether it was some of the great ones we had in New York City, and I, 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 there was a few in Philly. Uh, most of them were in New York during my era, but in Philly. Um, and then the recent final battles, they've, always, it's, they've always been special. And, um, but the circumstances involving this final battle, you, you can't mince the words, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it, it's, a, it it's just strange. Um, and we're hoping that next year, Kevin, I will be with you again on a podcast <laughs> promoting final battle. But for now, for now, and it's, this is not definitive that we're done, for now, it's an end of an era as the sub, as this, what's the right word? The, uh, the tagline. Sub, yeah. The tagline, thank you, uh, for this final battle is, it's the end of an era. And when I was listening to uh, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett last week, um, it brought up a lot of emotions. Um, and the, and this, this whole thing, you know, the, between the, la the last two years or the last 20 months, whatever the hell it's been with the pandemic, um, threw a wrench, a huge wrench into everything. And for me personally, sort of detached me from Ring of Honor. I wasn't going to go to, you know, first there were no tapings. Then when the taping started, the, uh, the rules and the protocols by the Athletic Commission were so, so strict that, you know, it was for me, it had been like being in jail. Okay. So yeah. I, uh, I, uh, and I've been there for a night or two, so, <laughs> so I didn't want to relive that. But, uh, so what, what I'm trying to say is I've been a bit detached physically from the, from the product and the events, um, cause there haven't been that many, right. But, uh, you know, intellectually and in my heart I'm, i've always been there and uh i'm gonna be there december 11th um it's hard to wrap the whole thing up i look at it differently you know when i was listening to matt and uh mike bennett uh these guys have to make a living uh a lot of people you know of there's not, it's not just them. Uh, you know, the, their asses are on the line. Um, they got to hustle. And uh, this was a, uh, a shock, uh, a bit of a shock. And uh, you and I know, because of our advanced age, there's no guarantees in life, right? That's, I've heard that. We know the two guarantees for the millionth time, death and taxes, right? Right, right. So, um, but yeah, uh, so, I mean, I, three years ago, there was the final battle 
in New York City. I don't know if you were there. That was uh, at the height of uh, the Bucks. The Bucks were leaving, and Cody were were, were leaving that night. Yeah, were I remember. The, yeah, I remember the event very well. I was not there. I was I was watching uh, on Honor Club from my couch for that one. But yes, and if you were watching that, I had. <laughs> One of my great moments, because I would really, I'm like the Grand Wizard. I would never really get involved in the, like physically in the ring. Hey, hold on, Karen. Let me, let, me, let me interrupt you there, because some younger fans might not understand. We talk Grand Wizard. We're talking the old uh, WWF manager. It was a guy named Ernie Roth, uh, who wore like a turban and sunglasses and these very colorful we're not talking about the grand wizard of any any anything else right. okay, we're, right, we're talking about the grand wizard of wrestling the grand wizard of wrestling yes, yes i'm sorry proceed <laughs> no but uh, so i managed over my uh my time and often sitting at the uh at the timekeeper's table uh with bobby cruz and and whoever was ringing the bell and uh, I, I've, except for Kevin Steen putting his hands on me uh, in 2009, uh, um, that was the night that uh, I got to smack Bully Ray with the uh, when he wrestled Flip Gordon. Yeah, and uh, I, I got to whack him with the kendo stick, which was awesome. But we had a packed Hammerstein, a, a sold-out Hammerstein. Uh, there was a big change going on, but nevertheless, it was, it, it, you know, Ring of Honor was going to, was going to keep moving and did keep moving. And, um, it seems like, it seems like yesterday, but it seems like it was forever ago and it was only three years and every, am I right or am I? No, you're right. You're right. That was uh, that was 2018. So yeah, that was Jesus that was, Christ. That was three years ago, and yeah, certainly the the wrestling landscape. I mean, not only has a lot changed in the world. This was before anyone really, uh, you know, pandemic wasn't a a word that we talked about every single day as we do now. Um, no one was wearing face masks and all those things and quarantining, but just the wrestling landscape. Obviously, uh, there was a huge change. Uh, after that, and um, and certainly a huge change in Ring of Honor. That was another, in a sense, end of an era with the Young Bucks and Cody leaving, and that created a, a you know a chance for an influx of of new talent and some existing talent on the uh, on the roster to to move up into more prominent positions. Which is which has been the uh, which has been one of the beautiful things with Ring of Honor over the years. I probably never asked, <laughs> I probably didn't answer the original question <laughs> <laughs> properly, but that's all right. Too bad. Um, <laughs> I do it the best I can. But yeah, Ring of Honor, the, the, the word with us has, and it, 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 it sort of turned into a positive thing. The attrition rate yeah. um, with guys leaving and making room for other people is something that I've lived with, we've lived with, the company has had to live with. It's just part of the, 
it's just part of the of, of the uh you know brick and mortar of the business and it's the way it's going to be uh so it, it's it just seems like in 2018 uh that was like a good old final battle not that this one isn't isn't gonna be but it's just different and I'm going to go there and look forward to these awesome matches that we're going to have and this awesome event and hope that we'll, we will ring the ring of honor name will continue. Uh, and that's well said. And I think if you, you were sort of alluding to this, you use the word attrition. Uh, I think you could use another word to describe ring of honor and that's resilience. And, I mean, you know this even better than I, obviously. Uh, Ring of Honor has been written off and, okay, this person's leaving and that's the end of the company. And, and, and as we just talked about, the company has always been able to regroup, uh, be resilient and move on, create new stars and continue. And it's been going on for almost 20 years, uh, since 2002. The wrestling landscape has changed so many times from 2002 to 2021, but Ring of Honor has remained a part of that landscape. And even though this is end of an era, and we're not shying away from the fact that the, the event is being called end of an era, this is an end point, but it's not an end point. Uh, uh, it's not a finality, okay? Even though it's final battle, it's not a finality uh, for Ring of Honor. And the plan is to come back in 2022 with a new version of Ring of Honor. So once again, there will be a, a rebirth or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's something to be excited about. You can always look at the future. Uh, the, you know, there's the unknown. There's the fear of the unknown. There's also kind of an excitement of what's next. And I think, you know, we can look at it through both uh both versions of the, you know, rose-colored glasses and whatever the opposite of rose-colored glasses is. Uh, we can look at it both ways. You know, we can, you can feel two things at the same time. You can feel emotional uh, on December 11th, that final battle, and, and sort of honor history and where we've been and what we've done. And this is kind of a, a period at the end of that sentence. But then there will be a new sentence and a new chapter written after that. So I think it's just going to be an emotional night. And I think the word bittersweet, which we, we, we keep coming back to, is even though it's a, a cliche type word, I think it's, it's very appropriate for the feelings that we'll all be feeling on uh, December 11th at Final Battle at the UMBC, the former UMBC Event Center, now Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. It's a mouthful, but I got it out. Say that three uh, times. Yes. Yeah. And of course, if you can't, like, I would say to anybody, and I do believe there are still some tickets left, if you've ever been, and this is not me being a shill, I would just say this, if you've ever been a fan of Ring of Honor, if you were, if you're a lapsed fan and you've come back or what, what, whatever your fan status is at this point, this is a show you're not going to want to miss because, again, it is a end of an era. And I know we're going to beat that term to death, but this is going to be a special night. Final battle is always special, obviously. Ring of Honor has such great in-ring talent and has year in and year out. It goes without saying that it's going to be a great in-ring show and you're going to get your money's worth from a bell-to-bell -bell standpoint. But it's obviously so much more this year than that. 
And, um, and it's a time to reflect and celebrate our history. And again, look to the future. And, and you know, again, it's not really known what it's going to be, but that's exciting in its own way. And, and I look, I've been told that they're going to be, um, I was, I'm going to phrase it exactly as it was told to me by someone in the office, which is expect the unexpected at final battle. And uh, there could be some surprises. There's most likely going to be some surprises. So I really get the feeling, and I'm not going to overpromise and whatever. Over, I, I think there's going to be some special moments at this final battle. And, um, and maybe just not the usual, <laughs> not to take it for granted, but the great wrestling, we know that's going to happen. But I just think it's going to be um, a night a night to remember. I think it'll be. That a would, and, and that would be, <clears throat> I have no inside knowledge where yeah. I'm not, I'm not hiding anything. Uh, sure. I've spoken to a few people, but I haven't asked any questions regarding that. Um, but yeah, that would be nice. Um, I, I always me my personal fandom and during my time with, more hands-on in ring of honor we used to we always used to like to uh pay tribute to the past uh with with legends and uh if, during my during my run whether it was dusty Rhodes, whether it was bruno san martino uh bobby heenan you know obviously jim carnett uh there's so many guys we would bring we, we brought in and when the time was right, we would try to bring back uh, guys. Um, I remember in 2008-ish, uh, Samoa Joe was with TNA Impact, and we had, you know, they you could, they would allow him to come as long as you paid them, right? Right. But uh, we had him come and. Uh, yeah, yes, it would be very nice because it's Kevin. It's such a wealth, a, a, a wealthy. We have such a, a wealth of wrestling uh, legacy that you know Ring of Honor has created and been part of and has contributed. That it would be nice to see a few people. Uh, that aren't on the current roster that uh, come back, um, that would be wonderful. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Uh, and look, we're going to talk more about uh, uh, some of the history of Final Battle and your memories. Uh, but first, I want to talk about this current card, uh, which is a great one. It's stacked. We've got out of about six matches, I think, announced to this point. Uh, but we will talk about that right after this break. It's been fun playing wrestling with y'all. But we got something even better. Yeah! Honor Nation, it's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals, the body slamming, drop kicking way to keep the fun going. We need some tougher competition. The Puddle Buckle. Jay Driller. She's the new Honor Pals champion. ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at ShopHonor.com. This is Quinn McKay of Ring of Honor Wrestling inviting you to Final Battle, Ring of Honor's ultimate pay-per-view show of the year. 
It returns to Baltimore's Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena on Saturday, December 11th. Final Battle is available on pay-per-view and streaming live for Honor Club. Keep it locked in to ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels for ticket on sale information so you can join us in Baltimore. All right, we are back in the RH Strong podcast with former Ring of Honor owner, current ambassador, Carrie Sokin. Carrie, let's talk about this uh, final battle show because, as usual, it is a, a stacked lineup. Let, let's start right at the, at the top. All right, the main event, Ring of Honor World Championship match. The champion, Bandito, defending against Jonathan Gresham. Now, when I look at this, this was a match that, I don't know, maybe a year ago, certainly two years ago, I don't think you would have looked at this and said, this is the final battle main event, right? And I mean that as no disrespect to either guy. And in fact, I'm going to give them a compliment. Uh, Two years ago, maybe even a year ago, no, that couldn't happen. Now, I don't know that you could pick a better main event than this match. And it's a first time ever. They've never faced each other one-on-one. But one of the things Ring of Honor has always been, it's about different styles. It's about, obviously, the great technical wrestling, the pure style. But it's also about high flyers and lucha. It's about strong style. It's about brawling. It's about everything. Um, And here you have, in my opinion, the greatest technical wrestler in the sport. If there's anyone better than Jonathan Gresham, I don't know who it is. And there are a lot of great high flyers. But again, is there anyone better than Bandito that combines his high flying moves, his agility, but also his uncanny strength? I mean, the guy is gorilla pressing people much larger than him with one hand above his head. I mean, this is amazing. And, you know, the old cliche is styles make fights. And to me, this is a dream match. I mean, Gresham and Bandito is a dream match. And also, to me, it's just so fitting that these are guys who just, especially Gresham. Gresham is a guy who was always seen as, you know, the old backhanded compliment care. Oh, he's a great hand. Mm -hmm. Great hand. He'll have a great match, probably in the middle of the card. Or, you know, that that was sort of the, the... the label, right, that Gresh had gotten. When we came back from the, the first shows after the – he was already starting to move in the direction of being a guy who was not just a great hand. Uh, when he was teaming with Lethal, they were the World Tag Team Champions. But then when we came back, our first uh, tapings after the pandemic was the Pure Title Tournament. This is where Gresham really shined. And it wasn't just the matches – it was, I saw just another level of confidence on the microphone from Gresham. Obviously, he then got himself an in incredible physical shape. Uh, to me, again, these two right now, and, my, and there's a lot of great talent in Ring of Honor. I'm not slating anyone, but if you said, who are the two best guys in Ring of Honor, and let's put them in the main event at final battle, these are the two I'm picking. Yeah, and, well, you're right. If we were to look back a year ago on our podcast, I've got a question for you. What was the what was the title match last year at Final Battle? Last year at Final Battle was Roosh against Brody King. Okay, so and and, and there's no way 
if you and I were, you know, if, if on last year's podcast, uh, Carrie, uh, who do you think is going to be in next year's final battle? Uh, you know, world title match, uh, Ring of Honor title, title match. And uh, no one would have called this, but uh, Bandito, I don't want to say he came out from left field. He just elevated himself. And I've known Jonathan Gresham now. I can't really pinpoint the exact amount of years. Maybe you can help me. When when was his first like Ring of Honor dark match or appearance? Yeah, I don't know the exact date, but it's been a while. I mean, he was in the top prospect Ten. tournament. I, I want to say in maybe 2012. Yeah, I was going to say 10 years. Yeah. Right. And it's like so many of the other guys. And you know the names that I've seen come in from day one. Well, I'll just throw a few out so you can put it in context. A Roderick Strong, an Adam Cole, a Tyler Black slash Seth Rollins. Who, and dozens and dozens of others, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven, who I've seen come in from day one. And I'm not saying that Jonathan Gresham's first Ring of Honor appearance was his first match, but his first, you know, coming in in ROH. And let, let's be honest, Gresham's not a giant. Right. He's in, I mean, he could kick my ass a hundred times, but you know, he's not a huge guy. Uh, and what I'm trying to, uh, what I'm trying to express and I'm not being very, not doing it very well is I've seen Jonathan Gresham grow and he embraces pro wrestling. He loves every style of pro wrestling. He's been all over the world. And thanks to your podcast with him, and I've learned things about him, you know, sleeping on people's couches in, in the UK, uh, bumming around France, basically uh, just trying to work show to show. And uh, he's paid his dues. And when we came back with the Pure Title uh, tournament, that's when uh, he really, really came into gear and to now to see him get a shot with Bandito, against Bandito for the ROH World's title, it's just, it's just perfect. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. And um, I, I did a little checking. I just Googled real quick, or not Googled, but did a little search. 2011 was actually the top prospect. I think I said 2012. 2011 top prospect tournament was the first time that we saw Jonathan Gresham on Ring of Honor television. And yes, he did have dark, some dark matches before that. Uh, but, you know, here's a guy, I mean, like you said, he, he talked about it on his podcast. It's, Gresham might seem like an overnight success to some people, but man, he, he paid his dues. Ian Riccoboni's given the stats of you know, 14 countries or four continents or whatever it's been. He's traveled all over the world to really perfect his craft. And um, again, for my money, 
Gresham is is the greatest, whether you want to say technical wrestler or pure wrestler, whatever it is. To me, there's no one better at it than than him. And uh, and man, it's just gonna be a fun match to see him against Bandito. And like you said, Bandito isn't didn't just uh, come out of left field either. Bandito was a highly sought after free agent in 2018. And I mean, let's name names. Uh, uh, we weren't the only ones that wanted him. WWE wanted him. Uh, AEW wanted him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Bandito chose Ring of Honor, and, and here he is three years later as the world champion in the main event against, you know, again, the greatest technical. I mean, I just, for no other reason than that match, like, I'm looking forward to final battle. You know, mm-hmm. you could, yes, it's a significant night, and yes, there are other great matches, but, man, that, just that match alone, to use the cliche, I think would be worth the price of admission. But let's talk about – I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. No, I just want to say it's going to be interesting because in a way – and you, am I correct if I heard you right? These the, Gresham and Bandito have never met before? They've, they may have been in the ring before in, uh, in multi-man matches or tag. Okay. They've never been in the ring one-on-one in a singles match. And it's, it's sort of a, uh, a clash of styles – not that Bandito can't wrestle, because he certainly can, and not that Jonathan Gresham can't do some aerial maneuvers, but it, it, it's, you know, Gresham is not an aerial maneuver specialist, although he can do it. Yep. Bandito, and Bandito's not, you know, a pure wrestling specialist, uh, although he can do it. So it's going to be really, really interesting. And just talk, and I'm being serious, just talking about it, it gets, gets my juices flowing for this match. No question about it. And, and again, that's just one uh, of several great matches that have been announced. Let's talk about another one that, to me, it just, and I told Taven and Bennett when they were on the podcast, this is so fitting for a show with the tagline of End of an Era that the ROH World Tag Team title match would be the Briscoes going for their 12th championship against the OGK, formerly the Kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. Matt Taven, a guy who has really, uh, you know, he cut his teeth in Ring of Honor and he gradually worked his way up the card over the years, reached the pinnacle literally at Madison Square Garden, becoming the Ring of Honor world champion. Uh, Mike Bennett, we know what he did before. Uh, he left for a few years, came back. He's obviously he's ingrained uh, in Ring of Honor. He and he and Matt. This is their second uh, tag team championship reign. Six years after, or I guess almost six years after their first one back in 2015, they've had battles with the Briscoes in the past. If you ask Matt and Mike, they will say, and I agree with them, that the Briscoes really put the two of them on the map as a tag team. And here we are, final battle, end of an era. OGK is the defending champions. Briscoes as the challengers. What are your thoughts on this one, Kerry? It's perfect. Yeah. It, it's just, there, there's, there's not a lot to say about it, except this is perfect. Uh, you know, the, 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 the Briscoes are Ring of Honor from day one, literally. Right. Literally, except Mark Briscoe wasn't old enough to uh, be in the first uh, on the first card of Ring of Honor in, in with with the uh, Pennsylvania Athletic Commission rules, 
but their ring of honor from the beginning through and through have never left ring of honor yes they've gone to, worked with other companies in japan and here and there as, as they should but these guys i know them since day one and i also know mike bennett and matt matt taven since day one i remember it was still during my uh ownership reign and gabe sapolsky was was doing uh <clears throat> our <clears throat> excuse me our former booker uh, was doing uh dragon gate usa this is 2009 and 10. do you remember that i do so it was boy and that now i'm, I'm a, i don't want to go off track here but what a different landscape it, it's yeah. just incredible compared to what's going on now but anyway, uh, Mike Bennett was being sought after by Dragon Gate as, as well as ROH. It was also the same time Adam Cole was, was being courted by, by uh, Dragon Gate. And we're not talking about big money here. Right. <laughs> like, for them to come to Ring of Honor, I mean, it was it was very modest money but the point was you're going to get exposure look at the history of ring of honor no disrespect to gabe because gabe was a big part of ring of honor uh but you know it seemed at the time that the wwe and and tna but more wwe they might not have said it, but they certainly kept their eye on us. And if anyone can attest to this, you can. And they would look at these guys, at the guys, and, and that was one of the selling points. Make a long story short, uh, I had a relationship with Mike Bennett uh, to get him to come to our side. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it went with Taven. I just think that he <clears throat> he he signed and. Am I correct in saying he never left? Yeah. Well, never, right. I mean, except due to injury, but yes. Right, right. He never left. And just so, there's so much talent in that ring uh, for this tag team match. And it's funny. And listeners, we're going we're gonna to pull you behind the curtain here. Before we started this, Kevin and I said to each other, yeah, we're not going to talk about the match. <laughs> this is real, right? I mean, and but it's exciting to really to really look at these matches and look at it and in the context of the end of the era mindset and look at it into who's in the match. To wrap it up is a you know Bennett. Mike Bennett and Matt Taven are just great, great guys. And, you know, to see their elevation, for me to get to stand in the ring at Madison Square Garden to present Taven with the belt, he thought that was the thrill of his life. Well, it was one of the thrills of my life, too. And, um, and the Briscoes, what else can you say? I mean, I would say... It's going to be argued, but 
probably the greatest tag team over the last 20 years. And certainly that's subjective, right? I think we all understand anytime you say someone's the greatest or the best, but, and again, obviously we're going to be accused of being biased because it's ring of honor. And, you know, we've seen these guys, you've literally seen them, as you said, since day one, Mark was what 17 couldn't wrestle on the first show, but he, he was there. He was there with Jay, I think accompanied, uh, accompanied him to the ring. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if you look at it objectively, anyone who looks at it objectively and says over the last 20 years, who's been better than the Briscoes? I, I don't, I challenge anyone to say who's been better than, than Jay and Mark. And to, for them to be wrestling at the level that they are now, 20 years later, right. after all the battles they've been through and everything else uh, in the ring, what they put their bodies through, they are still as good now as they ever were. And to me, that's the biggest testament to them. It's, it's the staying power, but, but not just that you've been able to hang around, but that you're still going out there and on every card wanting to steal the show and in many cases, doing exactly that. When people leave the building that night, it's, my God, that Briscoe's match. Do you remember what happened in that Briscoe's match? And they still talk about it, you know, years later. And that's still happening all the time when the Briscoes are on the card. And I said this to Taven and, and Bennett because there's two other guys that are always highly motivated to put on the best match of the night. They just have so much uh, love and desire for this business and pride in what they do. Now, any other night that you have OGK and the Briscoes, it's going to be a great match on any given night. But then you throw in that it's for the tag team titles and it's at final battle, the biggest show of the year. Well, that raises it up a notch. Then you throw in the fact that it's the end of an era match and no one really knows what tomorrow's going to bring. Uh, can you imagine, Carrie, just how hyped up these guys are going to be? to go in there and put on just a, a, an unforgettable, memorable performance. I mean, it's just, again, I, I get goosebumps thinking about that, about the kind of match that those four guys are going to have. Yeah. It, it, it's, I'm glad we're talking about these matches because it, it, it's, it's thrown me back. It's putting everything in, in a different context to me to really, to really look at this. Um, but uh, it, it's, um, it's perfect. So, and I was, when you were, when you were talking, I was thinking, I was listening to you, but I was also thinking, um, what tag team has been around for 20 years that could be argued against the Briscoes? And then I thought about, well, the Hardys, but Look at the Briscoes' longevity and their cohesiveness for 20 years. Is there another tag team that can even be compared? Yeah, no, no one comes to mind. And certainly there's been a lot of great teams. I mean, certainly in Ring of Honor. And you look at a team like the Young Bucks, uh, certainly a great tag team. But, you know, I, I don't know when they rose to – I mean, I'm, I'm sure they – I don't know how old they were in 2002. I don't think they were – No. Uh, they weren't <laughs> – no, so but, yeah, but it, yeah. It's uh, if, if someone was going to do uh, over the last two decades, who's the best tag team? I think we we just named it. 
Yeah, I think so. And I think when if you want to look deeper into the greatest tag teams of all time, and certainly that really opens things up. I mean, not not even talking about you know going back to the uh, the Attitude Era as it was, or the uh, the wrestling boom in the '80s. I mean, Carrie, you and I are old you know historians. Let's go. We can all go all the way back to the '50s and the great right. tag teams, the fabulous Kangaroos and the. the, the, the the right, but whether it was the Kangaroos or the Road Warriors, <laughs> right, or or the Midnight Express or whomever, fill in the blank. Nobody lasted twenty years, right, as and a I cohesive think, as a right. cohesive unit. So, right. oh, I know. Wait, hold it, hold it. <laughs> I I got it. I got a challenge here, but okay. not for the not for the last two decades. Briscoe's and down. Butch Miller and Luke Williams, the sheep herders slash bushwhackers. They had a long run for sure. And, and, they, and I know Luke's a, uh, a good friend of yours. They had such an interesting career just from the – they were really two different teams. The sheep herders were these, you know, violent, nasty brawlers and had some great matches in, uh, what was it, Mid-South and other places. And then they became these fun-loving – you know, and I won't say comedy figures, but um, just fun-loving guys, right, as, as the Bushwhackers that little kids loved, and they would, you know, lick little kids' faces, and it's just, it's, it's funny for people like us who followed them beforehand, had no idea, like, the violence, right, that these guys were capable of as they're doing their little walk around the ring and, and licking, you know, kids' faces. Well, Luke Williams is a good friend of mine, but I didn't pick him I didn't pick uh, him and uh, Butch because of that. I'm just really racking my brain. You know, uh, we're going to get off track here. <laughs> Should we pull up, you know, Rip Hawk and Sweet Hanson? <laughs> I mean, but, but the point is you don't get tag teams that are together through their whole careers <clears throat> like like Luke and Butch were and like Mark and JR. And the, the Hardys have, are fantastic. And they, they've also been a great, a very good part of Ring of Honor, both individually and as a tag team. But um, the bottom line is the last two decades, the Briscoes, there's no competition. Yeah, I agree. And, and I won't say, you know, it's tough to say greatest tag team of all time. I, I'm not going to, I don't know who that, you know, I don't know who that would be. That's certainly a, uh, that's a much deeper conversation, but I would say if you're going to start making a list of the top 10 or 20 or whatever, the Briscoe's got to be in that conversation. Now, if we're talking about again, all time, they're on there somewhere, you know, they're not, like I said, I don't know you they're, that that's certainly debatable, but they got to be in the top top 15 or 20 I would say and maybe even higher but higher higher now, I was trying to I was trying to not sound too much like a homer right well and, it's but it's but you don't have guys um these guys have just been so reliable yeah and so good and and didn't you know uh, didn't complain um and always gave the best effort. I remember a couple of years after I was the owner 
and we, we, we were going through a tough time with buildings in Philadelphia. I think the ECW arena was uh, closed. This is like 2005. And uh, we, we, we used to do these shows at this armory, but we hadn't, it, we, we were stuck for a building in Philly. Anyway, we wound up doing, and you, believe it or not, you've passed this building, although you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. What, 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 what could it be, you're wondering? Yeah. There was a, there's a Ramada Inn that's still there, I believe under the Ramada Inn name, on, on right off 95. You know what, when they have those, all those hotels near the Philly airport? Yeah. Well, we, we had, something happened where the date was double booked, but we had the date planned. We ran the show at this, in this ballroom and everything was wrong about it. The ceiling was too low. Um, this is when I was first trying to amp up the production with lots of pipe and drape and, and lighting, and it couldn't be done right. Anyway, I mentioned the ceiling was too low. It was way too low. And Mark Briscoe did some kind of crazy thing off the top rope, and he hit his head. Um, it, to me, it looked like a beam. But it, it was it was certainly wasn't like one of those you know those drop down ceiling things, the, the, yeah. the panels in in the drop down ceilings. Yep. Uh, it, it, anyway, he smashes his head, which which looked like you know a piece of metal, and I, it, I when he finished the match everything, and I said I said man are you all right? He goes. It was all in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that sounds like a Mark Briscoe thing to say. Absolutely. Don't worry, boss. It was all in my head. <laughs> but uh, anyway, man, for two guys that weren't going to talk about this card. I know. <laughs> well, hey, let, let, let's keep it going. Because there's keep it another, going. There's another title match um, that I think is, is really – it's a fitting match, and that's the uh, pure title match, which is Josh Woods against uh, Brian Johnson. And the reason I say I think this is this is fitting is this is once again how we had talked about guys in Ring of Honor. Some people leave, other people get opportunities to move up up the card if they work their way up. That's two guys right here that did that in in Josh and and Brian Johnson. Josh Woods, more of a celebrated guy in Ring of Honor. He was a top prospect tournament winner. But, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, we talked about it with Josh. Didn't quite know, like, Josh was, like, there was something about him. He had a star quality about him. He obviously had the legitimate amateur wrestling background, the legitimate MMA fighting background. Uh, but, like, something just wasn't quite connecting uh, in Ring of Honor. And we're trying to figure out what it was. And, you know, for a long time, it was like, well, let's go with the, the e he's an MMA fighter, right? And he's a badass. So let's just make him a, a bad badass. And, and he's got no personality, except he's going to kill people. And, and anybody who knows Josh Woods knows, like, yeah, he's a killer in the ring or whatever. But, like, he's, like, the nicest, has a goofy sense of humor. Um, that's who Josh is. He's not a guy who's angry all the time. He's not intense all the time. He's not Brock Lesnar 24 seven. And so once 
that really came out that he had this fun-loving personality and Silas Young was a great uh, mm-hmm. conduit to that. Putting those two together was, was just a stroke of genius. I don't know who exactly to give the credit for. I don't know if it was their idea, if it was a Booker idea, whatever, it happened. And you got to see this other side of Josh Woods, that, uh, which made him a much more interesting persona that, yeah, he can tie you up inside the ring and he can tap you out and he's all these things. He's the real deal. But outside the ring, he's fun-loving Josh, and we got to see that side of it. So Josh became a star once we got to see his real personality. Now, Brian Johnson is a guy who did not have a lot of fanfare, no fanfare, right? He was not a top prospect uh, winner. Uh, he was in the, one of the tournaments, and I think he lost in the first round. Um, Brian was a guy who, again, unlike Josh, who came out with this amateur background and got his way into wrestling you know he was not a big wrestling fan he'll admit this kind of had an in uh you know didn't have to pay a lot of dues uh brian johnson the exact opposite of that a guy who toiled on the independence for about 15 16 years i think just waiting waiting for a break love professional wrestling this was his dream got his foot in the door at ring of honor i mean starting at the bottom below the bottom below the bottom and just doing whatever he can. And I, I, I remember this. I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast or not, but I remember in Fairfax, Virginia, uh, several years ago, the reason it kind of sticks out to me, it was the night Jay Lethal regained mm-hmm. the champion, regained the world championship. It was in Fairfax, Virginia. And, you know, we bring in guys for extra work and guys from the dojo. Brian Johnson and Joe Keyes had a uh, dark match that night. I, I don't remember who they worked. But they were in the back uh, cutting a promo, and I happened to be standing nearby. And Brian Johnson at this time has, you know, long hair pulled back into a ponytail, and he's got a, a sparkly robe, and he's calling himself number one Brian Johnson. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, you know, I didn't think, didn't think too much about him. And then I heard him cut his promo, and I was like, wow, like that's, that's pretty good. You know, like, I don't know, you have low expectations if it's somebody you don't know, and it's an extra getting a chance, you know, and uh, like, he blew me away with his promo. And I told him afterwards, man, that was really good. And I could just see how appreciative he was that somebody told him good job. And, uh, you know, people in Ring of Honor noticed, and they saw how hard he worked, that he was willing to pay dues, even more than he'd already paid 15 years on the independence. And uh, he had a belief in himself and his talent that, like, give me the ball and, uh, and I'll run with it. And I'll cross the goal line, you know, whatever, hit a home run, whatever sports cliche we want to use. So it's really, um, I guess, gratifying, I think, to see a guy. And, look, I know we all bust his balls and everybody, you know, nobody likes the Mecca, right? But uh, no. to, break, to break kayfabe just a little bit. Um, I just so admire a guy like him who just grinded, 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 believed in himself. And now he's on Ring of Honor's biggest show, biggest pay-per-view of the year, challenging for the pure championship. And I just think there's, I don't know, man, there's something beautiful about that. Well, he deserves to be. And he did work his ass off. I used to get, I used to get, not not angry, but I, I, Kevin, it had to be two years without really being in the, he was, it seemed like he was around, 
he wasn't even getting on the shows for at least a year, right? Yeah. yeah. Probably more. So I would see him and he was polite and he'd always say, uh, sir. I said, stop calling me, sir. So <laughs> I'm old enough. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, but the, to see what he's done and Anytime I've been to a ring of honors or we, we would have a ring of honors seminar, even after I sold the company and I would go, I would, you know, and we'd have guys like delirious and Jim Carnett and just solid, solid wrestling mind people I was, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, blubber about, you know, what, what's going to make you a, a good wrestler, except that what I would tell, would tell these, these guys and these kids that most of the guys that made big money in wrestling, if you take it, if you take, if you, you know, and so we're talking 10 years ago, this, so this doesn't seem like ancient, ancient history. And I mentioned names like Hulk Hogan. I mentioned names like The Rock. I mentioned names like Bruno San Martino. And uh, we could even throw uh, Ric Flair into that. They didn't go off their feet that much. They all made their money from their personality. That's what makes money, you know? So the, the question is, well, you know, how do I, how do I find, how do I find my personality, right? That, that's the eternal question, you know, so, but Brian Johnson worked on it, as you said, for 15 years. Yeah. And went, went from number one, Brian Johnson, and I'm sure he had other monikers before that, to uh, doing this incarnation of, you know, with, as the Mecca. And uh, yeah, he, he's perfect, you know, and I don't like him. You know, he, he, he makes you really not like him. And uh, so to see him have this opportunity in a title match at final battle, regardless of ends of an era or not, it's, it's well-deserved. And Josh Woods, too, he's a sweetheart and a hell of a wrestler. So this should be really, really interesting. For sure. I mean, again, it's two guys that, you know, people could have given up on and said, ah, you know, if they would have made it, they would have made it by now. Or we just don't see anything. We don't have anything for you. Creative has nothing for you, whatever you're going to say. But yeah, I want to, you know, really give credit to the ROH management who did see something in these two guys and say, uh, you know, there's something there and, and the cream rises to the top and, and talent will win out in the end and all those things. And let's not, uh, let's not give up on, on them and let's give them, let's continue to give them opportunity and they've earned it. They've got the talent, they've worked hard. And um, yeah, it's just so good to see where these guys came from to then be in a championship match at final battle and the pure championship, which has such a legacy. I mean, these guys are going to be in the ring competing for a title that has been held by the likes of Brian Danielson and Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal and Nigel McGuinness. I mean, 
AJ Styles. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this is, yeah, this, what awesome company. I, I couldn't be happier for those two on a personal level. Uh, well, let me say, I'm happy for Josh Woods. Uh, I'm not happy for Brian because I don't like him. But in a way, I am. I'm grudgingly happy for him, even though he's, a, he's an ass. We'll it's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right. Uh, I just want to touch on very quickly a couple other matches that have been announced uh, for the women's championship, the women's world championship. Roxy will defend against Willow. Uh, we know it's Willow now. She beat Mandy Leon in a, uh, a number one contenders match. Uh, and the six man championships will also be on the line. Shane Taylor promotions. Uh, they'll be using the Freebird rule, Carrie, which, as you oh. know, the Freebird rule, which, uh, you know, any, any uh, members of the, uh, of the group uh, can defend the championship. Shane Taylor will be in a classic grudge match uh, against Kenny King. So taking his place in the six-man match will be O'Shea Edwards. He'll be teaming with uh, the Soldiers of Savagery, Moses and Khan, against the Righteous, Vincent, Bateman, and Dutch. Uh, also, Dalton Castle will defend the TV title. We don't know yet who his opponent will be, but all the championships will be defended at final battle. Uh, just a couple of – let's just hit on these quickly, and I don't want to take anything away from these matches, but just to right. take a time. Uh, Shane and Kenny, I mean, what I love about this is that's a grudge match that we've been building for about eight months. So it was some long-term storytelling, and obviously uh, what better place for them to settle their grudge then it's the biggest pay-per-view of the year, final battle. Um, I, I'll just ask you for your thoughts uh, quickly on those two. But, it, again, here's – I don't want to you know, sound like we're repeating ourselves, but Shane's another guy who worked his ass off to get to this point and, and never took no for an answer and uh, was probably told no a few times, uh, was part of a tag team with Keith Lee, Keith Lee left, uh, you know, Shane was like, all right, well, I guess I got to step up my game even more now that he's gone. And Shane has made himself into a legit main event guy here in ring of honor. Kenny King, I, to me, Kenny King is one of the most underrated guys in this business. When you look at Kenny, what he can do in the ring and what he can do on the mic. I mean, there's a lot of good promo guys out there. Uh, to me, Kenny King's as good as any of them. Kenny King can literally talk you into the building. So, and to see these guys and they have history together, obviously, this is a, this is a legit, uh, this is a grudge. Uh, like that's another match. I think that, you know, it's so fitting that it takes place on the biggest show of the year because, you know, this is a, this is a grudge. The, the old tradition of grudge matches. This is it. You know, guys who were once friends as close as brothers. And now they're on opposite sides. So I think uh, that's another great match to be looking forward to. You, you got yeah, uh, Shane, thoughts on Shane and Kenny? Yeah, well, sure. Uh, how many years has it been since Shane Taylor and Keith Lee uh, parted ways? Four? Yeah, I'm always bad. The years run together as you get older, yeah. you know, Gary, but yeah, probably. Yeah, and so Shane Taylor basically re he didn't basically, he reinvented himself and he then invented Shane Taylor promotions. Yep. And it wasn't like an overnight thing to know oh, suddenly, Oh, I got Shane Taylor promotions. Okay. Ooh. He worked hard. He worked hard. You know, this, this goes, this ties back to 
when we were talking about Brian Johnson and, you know, he just worked hard on his character and his promos and this, I, this concept for Shane Taylor promotions and, and Kevin, he's dynamite in the ring. Yep. Talk about a big guy who, you know, can move. Um, I, I mean, if it was 40 years ago, I still wouldn't want him chasing me down the street. Yeah. He's probably going to catch, he's going to catch me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's fast and he's strong, you know, and, and Kenny, it's one of my, what's one of, as Nigel would say, it's one of my old mates. Uh, we go back to 2007. I remember, uh, a contract negotiation that took place, uh, literally took place in the uh, back parking lot of the uh, of the old ECW 2300 arena. And Kenny and I have always had a good rapport. We've hung out. He's a good guy. Uh, he could talk about all kinds of things. And uh, he's ultra talented, ultra talented. Um, he uh, he he could have with ROH. We're not gonna. I, I'm not gonna start. It makes me think. What I'm gonna say. All right, I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say. Kenny King, uh, when he was on The Bachelorette, right? Yeah. I mean, he he there was so much stuff going on with roh with the bucks and and uh cody and this one and that one and uh kenny wasn't position positioned right but he should have been repositioned because he was how many times do you get a guy on a national broadcast uh i don't know if it's top 10 but top 30 show um anyway uh, but but he's always he's always hung in, great talent. Um, it should be it should be, and, and I like the grudge aspect of it because yeah. when I think of Kenny King, uh, not that he can't he, that he can't go toe to toe and brawl, but you know he can wrestle. So this should be this should be another man. This could be a good card. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Kenny is a guy, man. I think like. Ring of Honor has had so much talent over the years that Kenny almost gets lost in the shuffle. And it's a shame because, again, if you look at Kenny's body of work and you just, you just watch this guy, again, not just what he can do in the ring, but, man, he spits gold on the mic. Like, he's just so good on the mic. And, um, again, it, it seems like Kenny King maybe should have gotten a, a world title reign in there or something somewhere. I think he's good enough that he could have done that. And who knows? Not like he's done. I mean, he still could do that. He's still. I, and that I, negotiate, Kevin, and that negotiation I had with him, and I, I, at the uh, in the parking lot on that hot summer night, I remember saying to him, "Do you think you could be Ring of Honor champion?" And well, he's not going to say no, but I just wanted to see what he's going to say because I saw it in him. Yeah. And over the years, I've never been, you know, if I had somebody working behind the scenes, I let them do their thing. But I saw the star factor with this guy 
and uh, it's still there. So this should be fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, the, so we, we've that's four matches. We got Dalton Castle, right? I I love Dalton. Yep. He's so great, and uh, yet to be determined. And then there's the uh, real quick the the uh, women's division, the women's the ROH women's title, and I. I honestly feel disconnected because I've been disconnected. I've watched, I've watched the, the matches and I watched the Wednesday. I was watching the Wednesday night women's matches and the tournament was great, but I wasn't going to the shows uh, for all the reasons we spoke about before this. So I feel slightly disconnected from it, but I'm looking forward to this very much. Nevertheless. Absolutely. And I don't want to, uh, I want to talk about Roxy just for a quick second to take nothing away from Willow, who has uh, really made quite an impression in, in a short amount of time in Ring of Honor and in other places. I think Willow's a name you're going to hear a lot more of uh, going forward in this business. But just to talk about Roxy for a second. Uh, she's no longer the teen sensation now, uh, Carrie. She turned 20 last month. So I just have to. <laughs> I mean, imagine what this girl has done, or I should say, girl probably sounds, uh, I should say woman. Uh, she's 20 now, right? She's a woman. Uh, what, this what's lady. She, this lady. Thank you, Carrie. This lady. Uh, what she's accomplished, <laughs> what she's accomplished by the age of 20. I don't know what, uh, what were you doing at age 20, Carrie? I oh, know yeah. what I, <laughs> I was doing. <laughs> Listen to the last stop, Penn Station. Right. <laughs> And you'll hear all about like the wonderful right. things I was doing. I had my head up my ass. That's what I was doing. <laughs> right. You were not the you were not the champion of a of a major. No, no. No, no, nor nor was I. All right. And yeah, the six man tag match, as we said, STP against the righteous. Uh just a quick uh mention too about uh Vincent, another guy. I mean, it's a theme here we've been talking about, a guy who uh didn't have a lot of fanfare, paid his dues, gradually worked his way up. And, uh, you know, at one time he was seen as um, uh, almost like a henchman, right? He was part of a group mm -hmm. who stood behind the leader uh, who was Matt Taven. And now he has his own group and he stands in front. And, um, again, another guy who – like this wasn't anything that was handed to him. This was something he had to work for and scratch and claw for. and not that everybody doesn't need help. And we talked about this a lot with uh, Taven and Bennett, you know, Taven was a guy who wanted to help Vinny get to the point where he's at now and was willing to do whatever he could to, to be that guy, to get him to that next level. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you can get, yes, you can be given the opportunity, but then it's what you do with it. And I think Vinny Vincent has uh, made the most of every opportunity he's gotten and um, that's just another match that uh, can't wait to see. And as we said, as we alluded to earlier, uh, expect the unexpected at final battle. That's, that's what I've been told uh, by a reliable source. <laughs> so, uh, again, what, what a night it's going to be. But let's, let's take another break. And when we come back, let's talk about some final battle memories from the past. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? 
Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. This is the Mecca, Brian Johnson of Ring of Honor Wrestling, inviting all you bozos to final battle, Ring of Honor's biggest pay-per-view show of the year. It returns to the UMBC campus live on Saturday night, December 11th. Final battle is available on pay-per-view and streaming live on Honor Club. So keep it locked in to ROHWrestling.com, bozos, for ticket on sale information so you can join us. All right, we are back in the ROH Strong Podcast, talking all things Final Battle with the uh, ROH Ambassador, former Ring of Honor owner, Carrie Silken. Uh, Carrie, we've talked about the fact that you were at every Final Battle, uh, except last year because of the pandemic, because there was no crowds. Um, I want to ask you about certain Final Battles uh, that, that that stand out to you, or maybe that you have memories of, and. Um, I want to start with 2004. I believe this was your first final battle as the sole owner Mm -hmm. of honor. And uh, what a historic night this turned out to be. Uh, Austin Aries in the main event ends Samoa Joe's 645 day reign as ring of honor world champion. And to sort of set the landscape for people who maybe don't remember or weren't following back then, there weren't a lot of, I mean, this was almost two years of a championship reign. Long championship reigns weren't really happening uh, back in that, uh, that time in pro wrestling. Uh, this was back when, you know, titles were changing, you know, pretty regularly. Um, now, this wasn't Bruno San Martino holding it for seven and a half years, but still, it might, it might as well have been, right, compared to the fact that a lot of title reigns were weeks or, or months uh, what do you remember specifically uh, about that night? Because this was a real uh, historic moment uh, for Joe to lose the title. Uh, any behind the scenes, I guess you can, you can sort of uh, fill us in on, on, on that night, the, the changing of the title and, and everything else. Well, that match occurred in Philadelphia. Am, yeah. I, am I correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. It was in Philadelphia. Um, um, as I stated earlier, um, I would leave things in the hands of the people that work behind the scenes. So as far as Samoa, you know what, Kevin, I was, I'm trying to remember if, if Samoa Joe was getting ready to leave, uh, to go to TNA, I'm not sure, or was it just time for a title change? But uh, no one expected it. You know, Austin Aries is, is, another, is another strange enigma <laughs> in the Ring of Honor legacy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, 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 two-time champion? Yes. Right. So you got to give him his due. Two-time champion, pain in the ass. And if he heard me, if he was, if he was on the podcast with us now... He'd be like, you're damn right, Carrie. You know, <laughs> it's okay. And uh, Samoa Joe established the title. And 
Sorry for the redundancy, listeners, but do your wrestling history if you don't know. And these long title reigns, whether it was Bruno, we're talking ancient times, whether it was Bob Backlund with five plus years, or Hulk Hogan with four or five years, I believe. Am I, maybe I'm short on that, Kevin. No, that uh, Hogan was uh, a little over four years. The first one, yeah, eighty-four to eighty-eight. Uh, Vern Gagne, I think, had like a seven-year reign at one point. And let's not forget Fabulous Moolah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In wrestling but, lore, I think it became what twenty-five years, even though that's not true. But yes. <laughs> but it, it, the point is, is that by the time, uh, and I, 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 I'll probably get called out on this. You'll, we'll probably get called out, but. After the Hulk Hogan title reign, uh, I don't can't really remember. Did Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels or Stone Cold Steve Austin or uh, the, the Rock or Mick Foley or no <laughs> the Batista no. or so on? And did, did they have long title reigns? No, I, I, I think the only one uh, Triple H. At one point when he was the world heavyweight champion, uh, when they gave him the old, you know, the big gold belt, uh, he had that for a while. I don't remember how long specifically, but that's the only other sort of long. And I, when I say, I mean, I don't know that he even had it a year. I mean, it might have been like nine months or something. I don't recall exactly. But uh, right. yeah, long, long title reigns weren't definitely were not happening. Yeah, so it, it was good. And uh, I... Gabe, Gabe Sapolsky was a big part of behind the scenes uh, back then. And he had a mentality of old school wrestling. And uh, although he's much younger than me, um, but he, he, he understood the importance of having some, having a champion hold the belt for more than a couple of months. And Samoa Joe really established himself. You know, those matches with Punk and, and, and Jamie Noble and Low-Key and, 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 and Aries, Aries elevated quickly. And, uh, yeah, I remember that three count in Philly. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, wow, 2004. Seems like yesterday. Yeah, I was just looking up that uh, that was at the – you were right. It was the Pennsylvania National Guard Armory that that match was right. held. So, yes. Uh, let's – let me think of uh, – or let me try to jog your memory of, uh, of another final battle that had – Well, a I'll tell you a quick – while you're jogging my memory. Yes. I'll, I'll tell you a quick uh, story, funny sort of odd story. If you're looking at the history of final battles – um, and I, maybe I have this wrong, but in 2000 and either nine, 10, nine or 10, there was a final battle. It was in between, uh, the Christmas and new year's week. And we had a show the night before in, uh, that Fairfax or no, 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 Manassas. Okay. I don't know if you're looking at a Ring of Honor all-time record, but anyway, we had a show in Manassas. The next day, 
was final battle. And oh, I hope I got this right. But the point is, uh, we're going to say it was final battle the next day because there was December snow. It was a record breaking snow that was uh, predicted and it happened. So it was one of these deals when we're in Virginia, it's going to start snowing and it's one of these snows where it's going to be uh, you could have 12 inches within two hours, just some crazy. And it was across the whole Northeast. So at the time, it had to be 2009 because Adam, because, uh, Adam Pierce, good old Adam Pierce, who's doing very well for himself. Um, and he was uh, working behind the scenes and I was friends, I became friendly with the Bucks and Lethal, Lethal was back, was Lethal back? Anyway, the point is, is that I told Adam, can you put the Bucks on first? Because I want to get the hell out of here. <laughs> and Kenny Omega somehow was in the car too. He must have been on early too. And I gathered those guys up and from Manassas, Virginia, leaving there, leaving there before 9 p.m., we did not get to New York City. I had a room, a very, very, it was a very nice hotel, uh, but, but the problem was I only had one room and there was like five guys, but it's wrestling. <laughs> right. So um, <laughs> we did not get there until six in the morning the next day. So when the guys were leaving at the end of the show, some of them didn't get there until like noon because of it just got worse and worse. But that that's that's a quick final battle uh, as as we approach the let, let's hope it doesn't snow uh, coming on to this final battle weekend. Uh, yes, let's hope. Fingers crossed for that. Especially well, if it is not 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 a a massive storm like. No. Yeah, and I, I did uh, check. That was uh, you're correct. Uh, it was 2009. That what was the main event? The main event was Austin Aries as the defending world champion against Tyler Black. Okay. And Kenny Omega was on the, had to be on the card, right? I'm not imagining it. Let me see. I'm going to, I'm going to look and see if Kenny Omega was on that card. I'm looking at the, uh, yes. Kenny Omega was in the opening match four corner survival survival. Uh, which was won by Claudio Castagnoli, beat uh, Colt Cabana, Kenny Omega, and our good friend, Rhett Titus. You know what? We're going off track here, but that's all right. I want to hear the rest of the card. All right. All right, so in the second match, we had, the, we had the Embassy, Bison Smith and Eric Stevens, uh, Prince Nana, beating Bobby Dempsey, old ROH favorite, and Delirious with Daisy Hayes. Do you remember Bison Smith? Uh, vaguely. Vaguely. You know what happened? He was wrestling in Puerto Rico for Luke. Luke Bushwhacker, Luke Williams was booking IWA. Right. And I, I, that's how I met him. And Bison Smith was also working for uh, 
I, I don't know if it was Noah or New Japan, but one of the Japanese promotions. And I wanted him to come to Ring of Honor, but he didn't want to come because of all of all of our pint-sized guys, the Aries, the, the Aries and the Jacobs, and they're all, you know, we, and he was, he's like, you know, I'm, he wanted to be, he wanted to be envisioned fighting big guys. He wound up coming. He was great. Uh, he's not with us anymore, but he was a hell of a talent. It's a real, it's a name that's going to be lost to history. And uh, so who would, who was he with? Him? Who was he teaming with? Well, I was going to say, his time in Ring of Honor was, was very short, wasn't it? I mean, he wasn't. Very short. Yeah, he didn't stick around for a long time. So, yeah, he was teaming with Eric Stevens uh, as part of the embassy, Prince Nana's group, against Bobby Dempsey and Delirious. And uh, the Eric embassy- Stevens was Roderick Strong's friend. Okay. And he was a good talent. And we uh, good old Bobby Dempsey uh, and uh, Delirious. Go ahead, what, 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 run the card down, please. So then, match number three. What, what a great for the third match of the night. Eddie Kingston defeated Chris Hero. Wow, and a fight without honor. Jeez, what a card! All right, the next match, the Young Bucks. I think they've they've made a name for themselves. They beat Kevin Steen and El Generico. Imagine that. A couple other guys. This is the middle of the card. This is match four. Uh, Then Kenny King, who we were just talking about as being underrated and all that, on this night, he beat Roderick Strong. So that was a good win for Kenny. Uh, Then Rocky Romero beats Alex Kozlov. It's a name you probably haven't heard in a while. Uh, Alex Kozlov, I did hear his name. I wondered about him. I think he's he's doing – announcing or something with new japan i believe so yes all right all right so then we had the big uh tag team championship match here's a surprise uh the briscoe brothers were in that (laughs) match as the challengers that night and they beat the american wolves davy richards and eddie edwards to become champions now here's an here, the 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 semifinal I guess as they call it the match There's still before, two more matches still two more matches the match before the main event Jack Evans defeats Teddy Hart in an unsanctioned match with Julius Smokes as the guest special guest referee <laughs> <laughs> Well there was an incident back in 2003 where Teddy Hart got the gotten uh you know about this is this something with him and punk well it was him and everybody okay but he he took liberties what did he do people are going to want to know he was there was some kind of crazy tag team match uh and teddy hart started doing backflips when the match was over it wasn't very professional they threw his stuff they they threw his uh, his gear and his stuff out of the locker room, but uh, you know Teddy Hart. Yes. Very, and, and it goes back to one of your early words of the of this podcast. There's a lot of resiliency. <laughs> yeah. So Teddy. yeah, after like a six or seven year ban, I guess he was let back. He was let and, back. 
Yeah. And which brings us to the main event, which you mentioned, but please mention it again. Yes, the main event, Austin Aries defending the world championship against Tyler Black. Time limit draw. Time limit draw that night. Yeah, the fans didn't like that. Yeah, that's a that's a tough sell sometimes. Fans like they, they want a winner and a loser. They didn't like that. Uh, the Ring of Honor fans uh, haven't changed much over the years, uh, but that's what made us different. But, hey, you got to have that happen once in a while, right? Absolutely. So the snowstorm threw us down a, a complete curveball. <laughs> well, that's okay. I love, I love reminiscing about the – and I'm sure a lot of fans do as what well. What a card that was. It's amazing, right? I mean, once you get to, like <laughs> – Kenny Omega and Claudio and those guys in match two and Eddie Kingston in match three, the Bucks and Steen and Generico in match four. Jesus, what a, that was an unbelievable show. I want to talk about another historic uh, final battle though. It was another long title reign, not quite as long as Joe's, but Brian Danielson, 462 days as champion goes into final battle 2006 in New York against homicide. Homicide mm. ends Danielson's reign. What do you remember about that one? I remember the place going crazy. You know, uh, you know, you got, you know, New York. Uh, Homicide is uh, a New York guy. I think, I think there was a period of time between Ring of Honor's roots inception that Homicide wasn't. In other words, I don't think he was on every card right. straight through. Um, but he was he was back, and uh, yeah, I just remember the reaction. I can't remember. I think that was upstairs at the Manhattan Center at the at the ballroom. Uh, that one was at the in the yes Manhattan Center Grand Ballroom. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and I remember I wasn't at. I wasn't at ringside for that. I wonder why. I don't know. But 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 I was watching it from just from like the behind the ringside chairs, and uh, yeah, the reaction was just amazing. Um, we've had a lot of great moments, Kevin. There's no question. No question. We could talk. We could probably fill up a whole other podcast with talking about uh, final battle memories, but I want to touch on one other one that happened. Uh, actually, it was uh, two things significant really happened at final battle 2010. This was also at the Manhattan Center uh, Grand Ballroom. Uh, there was a famous match, obviously, that happened that night, which was Generico and Steen in the fight without honor. And what I love about that, too, was the feud began a year prior at Final Battle 2009 with Steen turning on Generico. So we saw this long storyline come into fruition and play out that, you know, these guys fight a year later. Uh, but also at Final Battle 2010, we saw a fun match with the Briscoes, and I'm talking about all three members of the Briscoe family. Jay, okay, I know what you're going to tell. Go ahead. Jay, Mark, and Papa Briscoe against the kings of wrestling, Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli, and their manager at the time, Shane Hagedorn. Uh, there's got. Do you have a Papa Briscoe story for us, or uh, anything about that 2010 final battle? 
Well, there was, I remember um, Sarah Del Rey mm -hmm. was also, uh, Hagedorn was in the match? Hagedorn was actually in the match. He was on uh, Kings of Wrestling side, and, right. and Papa was on the Briscoes side. Well, all the credit. Sarah was there as well at ringside, yes. All the credit for this goes to Jim Carnett. Not for the, the just just some some of the credit, because he he knew these old spots from these kind of matches from Memphis and and uh, these other territories that would occasionally have this kind of dynamic to it. And there was a spot in the match when uh, Papa Briscoe somehow rolled out of the ring. And there was Sarah Del Rey. And what does he do? He he comes up and gives her a big old kiss on the lips. Right? <laughs> like you had to see it. It was more like he 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 grabbed her. And when I say grabbed her, it was is in, in like a nice way, as if it was like a dance move where he bends, bends her back and, and gives her a big kiss. It was classic. And uh, you know, that was all Jim. And uh, then uh, there was another spot in that where, you know, Papa Briscoe, I wouldn't want to mess with him, but no. uh, he, he did, he, he was able to do a, to a top rope, maybe it was the second rope, but I think it was the top rope, like a cross body off the top rope. But uh, yeah, talk about, talk about a character, you know, and uh, just, just classic, classic guy and um well, once you see there. once you see papa in action you can see the apples did not fall far from the tree as the saying goes if uh, okay. you want a classic papa briscoe story yes uh, well, please okay <laughs> please <laughs> well, it, 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 it's actually uh, a family briscoe story back yeah, in sure. 2007 or 8 um, we had, ooh, this will be good. We had WrestleMania. Was it WrestleMania? I don't know, but we had shows in Orlando. <clears throat> I think it was WrestleMania weekend, 2007 or eight. Okay. And, uh, I went down a week or a, a, a week or eight or nine days early. And my good friend, Larry Sweeney, and my other buddy, Jigsaw, who's Jigsaw is a Ring of Honor alumnus, as well as, of course, Larry Sweeney. They were wrestling in Florida a weekend before our shows, which gave us a full week to hang out. Anyway, where did the Briscoes come into this? Um, Roderick Strong had an apartment with the aforementioned Eric Stevens. And he was having a, a little get together. So I went over there with Sweeney and Jigsaw. And the Briscoes, they're no dummies. They got in the motorhome, right? And they came down to Florida, 
just like I did, you know, to spend a week in the warm weather. And um, anyway, uh, Roddy has this party and his roommate was Eric Stevens and Austin Aries was there and the Briscoes, including Mama and Papa Briscoe. But there was always one designated driver. And in this case, it was Mama Briscoe. And I don't know if you, Kevin, I don't know if you've ever been around the Briscoes when uh, after work. Uh, I have not had the pleasure, no. I mean, if we're going to talk about substances and, you know, I'm, I'm an expert on all uh, substances, uh, good, good and bad, but uh, these guys can drink. And Roderick Straw, <laughs> he had, this is in, do you, did you ever get, I'm not a computer, I'm not a, a gamer, but I did like Guitar Hero and Rock Band. <laughs> okay. So we had a rock band set up and he had a rock band set up and we were, we we're goofing around. Um, the story's not going to have the greatest punchline, but as the, as the day and the, as it got into the evening and these guys are doing Jack Daniels. Um, and I guess it was near the time when the final four was going on because all of a sudden, uh, Papa Briscoe starts, he would yell, now what, you gotta understand, the game wasn't on. And he's going, he, he would go, Tar Heel. <laughs> he would, he'd, he'd, he'd slap my back. And I'm like, yes, the Tar Heels. And I moved away. And 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 Mark or Jay, I, I what was it? Who would be the Tar Heels uh, number one opponent? Uh, probably the Duke Blue Devils. Right. So Jay yelled, "Blue Devil!" <laughs> <laughs> and Papa Frisco was like, like it was like, no MF. Tar Heels, and they're hitting. They're they're doing these back slaps. Uh, I moved away, so I wasn't subject to a Tar Heels black back slap. Yeah, that was and, wise. <laughs> and uh, I get, I'm sorry, Kevin, maybe I just had to be there. But <laughs> it was just classic. It was just classic. Um, so I'll always remember that uh, Papa Briscoe is a Tar Heels fan, besides anything else. But uh, they're good people. And uh, that's my... I have other uh, other things, but that's that's my uh, uh, first thing that jumps out of my uh, my head. Yeah. Oh, they're they're the best. I mean, we had Papa Briscoe actually as a guest on this show, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. I'm a big. I I said to to Jay and Mark, I'm like, man, you, you got it. After he did his, um, they did that whole fight on the farm thing that Papa Briscoe yeah. was involved in, which I thought was so entertaining. I was like, man, you gotta, you gotta make him more of a like. You gotta bring him as part of the act. Like, I, I need more of Papa Briscoe on the product. And uh, well, that's because you know, you and I came up in an era when this wouldn't be that out of the question. Right. Right. And 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 
other thing that you, you, you just jogged my uh, memory, not about not ancient memory, recent memory. The two Ring of Honor matches, the fight on the farm and the Vinnie Taven match in the uh, old building in New England. Yeah. In this in this COVID era of of and these theatrical for lack of a better way to put it, these cinematic kind of matches being put together out of necessity or also in new ideas. Ring of Honor had the two best ones. I'm sorry, The Undertaker, AJ Styles was pretty good. I'm not a fan of the Firefly Funhouse, um, but we had, you know, and, and it ties back to Papa Briscoe. He was an integral part of that. Yes, he was. That whole storyline, it's family. And you fight it out and on you go. The the best thing about well, there were a lot of lot of best things about that fight on the farm, but I just loved at the very end, after we've just seen Mark and Jay put themselves through hell, beat the hell out of each other all over the farm. Uh, it ends up back in the ring, uh, in like the the garage or whatever you want to call that. Um, and they're going, and it's finally over. And, you know, Papa says, you got it out of your system. You're done. You're done. Okay, finally, they're done. They're spent. They're physically spent. They're beat up. And Papa says, all right, now clean all this up and walk <laughs> off. <laughs> I thought, that's perfect. That is the perfect way to end it. I yeah. told Jay and Mark, I'm like, you got you to get a T-shirt set up. for Papa. Go to Pro Wrestling Tees or whatever. Like, you need a shirt that, with Papa Briscoe on it that says, like, now go clean this up like something like that i'd buy that shirt i really i, I would buy that shirt uh, yeah yeah you, 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 you need to know him but uh yeah he's he's a classic character so's the so's the, so's the mom yeah uh, not like that you know she's a, she's a nice woman I, I remember having to call her one time from detroit uh when mark got hurt and he was in the hospital. Fortunately, it didn't turn out to be a big deal, but it, it was with his, you know, it was his, his, this time it was only, it, it, he couldn't say it's only my head because it was more than his head. It was his neck. And uh, thank God he was okay. But I had to call her. I called her up. Um, somehow I had her number, but um, yeah, classic, classic yeah. people. Yeah, they call her Granny. When I had Papa Briscoe on, he refers to his wife as as Granny. That's what they call her. And he even said, he goes, "Yeah, Granny's the toughest of the bunch. You know, you you don't mess with Granny." So I said, "All right. Well, I would expect nothing less than the matriarch of the Briscoe family uh, to be tough. I mean, you'd have to be." Uh, before we move on, any uh, Steen Generico uh, thoughts from that that match, that fight without honor they had in uh, in 2010, and just. I mean, obviously, a well, lot of what's that? There was a. It's hard to. It's hard for me to clearly remember that one okay. because there were so many incarnations. Yeah. Of, Just, of them, and, and it went beyond that uh, with them getting back together, and then Steve. I'm 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 bund I'm bundling years together out of order, but Steve Carino being involved and yeah. uh, just and Jimmy Jacobson, but uh, 
I do remember part of the Steen storyline was that he was banished from Ring of Honor. Right. And he, he came back and that's, as we referred to earlier in the podcast, um, when I was talking about Bully Ray, because uh, I really haven't been in any action, Steen invaded the building. This is prior to this match. It was the lead up. Steen invaded the building in New York and he was supposed to be banned and he got in the, it was at an opportune moment and he got in the ring and they sent me out. They sent me out to hop in the ring to try to uh, talk to him nicely. And uh, back in 2009, I could hop in the ring. I can't hop in the ring anymore. I, 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 need, a, I, need, a, I need a chair. But yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, so he, he, he grabbed me um, what would have been a, uh, like a, a suplex. <laughs> like he kicked me in the stomach so I had a bend. I bent over, and he was gonna uh, pile uh, pile drive me in some way. Uh, so anyway, uh, it, it all led up to that match. I just remember it being very violent, and uh, Jim Carnett was never happy with him. He and Steen didn't get along. I've I've heard that. Yes, I've heard those. I've heard that from. Uh, I've seen some Kevin Steen shoot interviews, and also I've I've heard Cornette talk about it on his uh, his podcast as well. Two guys right. I respect a lot, and two guys that are super talented. But yeah, uh, two guys that really didn't see eye to eye. Yeah, so that that's my my main memory of it is uh, watching it with Cornette and him shaking his head, something he didn't like. But uh, <laughs> I mean, once again, here's another example of. You've only brought up a few of these cards and, you know, we, we've had, and I'm not going to have you, we don't have enough time. I don't, I'm not going to have you run down this card, but I'm sure this one was another all-star card. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of them really, I mean, it, it, it's hard. If you go back and look at all these final battle cards, they're all um, all-star cards and uh, just, I mean, so much, so much great talent over the years. And here's the perfect segue and continuing into 2021 with this final battle. We've already, we've, we've talked about six matches or so that have been signed, uh, more to be announced, obviously. And um, this will just add to the legacy, the final battle legacy and extra special. This one, the end of an era. Uh, again, I, I wouldn't miss it for any amount of money. I think any, any Ring of Honor fan, if you've ever been a fan of Ring of Honor at any point in time, uh, this is a show that you're going to want to see. So there's my last sales pitch for it. Um, you can watch it on uh, Honor Club or pay-per-view or Fight TV or whatever, or you can join us live. There's still tickets left uh, at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena in Baltimore. It's this weekend, Saturday, December 11th. All right, we're going to take our final break. Then when we come back, we're going to play uh, a new round of uh, a, new, a new game of uh, 10 questions with Carrie. You, you did 10 questions last time. Gary, I've come up with uh, 10 new ones for you. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that right after this. This is Moses from Soldiers of Savagery at Ring of Honor Wrestling, inviting you to Final Battle, Ring of Honor's most, no, no, most savage pay-per-view show of the year. It returned to Baltimore's Chesapeake Employees Insurance Arena on Saturday, December 11th. 
Final battles available on pay-per-view and streaming live for Honor Club. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels for ticket on sale information so you can join us in Baltimore. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast talking with the great Kerry Silken, ROH ambassador, former Ring of Honor owner. Uh, Kerry, are you ready to play 10 questions with us? Sure, let's go. And it is now time for 10 questions with Kevin. All right, I've tailored uh, a lot of these uh, for you. Uh, so question number one, what is your obsession with Lee Wong? <laughs> well, <laughs> people are going to, uh, all right. People, people are saying, are what are you talking people, people are Googling right now. As, as well, we- they should be Googling them. <laughs> and uh, Lee Wong was a preliminary wrestler in the old WWF in the 70s. And there is video evidence, which stands up to this day, um, that I say he was the probably one of the uh, worst wrestlers of all time. And if you want to, if you want to want proof of it, somehow he got onto two Madison Square Garden shows, and there's a match against him with him against Blackjack Lanza. That's, uh, I'm sure on the, uh, you could find it on YouTube for sure, if not the uh, streaming, WW streaming services on YouTube. And he was just so bad that uh, I just, it just was, I'm sure you have an enhancement guy that would fit that bill for you. Yeah, I probably have to. I mean, I remember Lee Wong, so he might be that guy for me as well. But yeah, Lee Wong was. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I. I'm sure he probably won a match somewhere. Uh, but he, he did because I compiled a Lee Wong. I, I compiled uh, a Lee Wong record book, uh, <laughs> at a, at a, which isn't very long. Um, he had about 150 matches, and in early. <laughs> In like 1970 or 71, they gave him a little push where he won like two matches in a row. And they even sent him, Kevin, they sent him to Florida. Now, this is Eddie Graham in its peak in 70, 71. I mean, this was a wrestler's wrestling territory. And to send Lee Wong there, uh, it's just its just bizarre. You got to see that's you got to see him first to understand, like, uh, why this is so odd. But, yeah, uh, check out Lee Wong, boys and girls. Yeah, from my childhood, I remember I think there was a guy named Billy Berger who, who was uh, one of those job guys that lost all the time. Uh, Steve King was another one. Uh, yeah, there were there were a lot of those guys, and I'm sure plenty of names that that aren't coming was, to mind. Was Cowboy Hondo before your time? That's before my time. Yeah, that one. Okay, time. but you did see Wong. I did see Lee Wong in the uh, yeah in the mid '70s. I think he was there doing jobs on TV. And then uh, he strangely pops up in '82, 
at an all-star wrestling taping against the Iron Sheik and um, the other one was, was it Paul Orndorff? I forget, but one was, and it was like after, according to my, my records, it was after a six year layoff. <laughs> now, George, you know George Napolitano, right? Sure. Right, a greatest, one of the great, arguably the greatest wrestling photographer of all time, certainly one of. Yes. And uh, did the magazines. Uh, but yeah, he used to pick up, he lives in Brooklyn. He would pick up Wong and he'd pick up the W brothers, Wong and Williams, Frankie Williams. Frankie Williams from Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> well, he was from Brooklyn and he, he, they, he would give him a ride to uh, the TV tapings. But yeah, so uh, check out Lee Wong. He's just one of these oddball guys. <laughs> All right, good stuff. All right, question number two. Uh, I'm going to ask some, some music questions because I know you're a rock and roll guy. So question number two, in your opinion, what is the greatest rock album of all time? Or what's your favorite rock album of all time? Well, you know, people that know me and people, even if you get to know me casually, you find out that I'm a, a giant Jethro Tull fan. But yet, I would not, if I had to pick greatest album, I think, I think I'd have to go with Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Okay. Well, that's certainly a classic. No doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, I, I go back to when I was listening to music. I remember when I was a little kid, but Sgt. Pepper's coming out. But yeah, for me, it's, it would be it would be Dark Side of the Moon. All right, question number three, and I don't know if you'll I don't know if you'll have an answer for this one, but uh, because you obviously you were uh, involved in the ticket agency business mm -hmm. for so long, you've been to so many concerts, seen so many classic bands. Is there? Any band, was there one that slipped through the cracks? Any band that you wanted to see that yes. you never got a chance to? Hell yeah. And, and I regret it to this day, especially with their resurgence in popularity due to the film and due to their uh, new singer. Uh, and you know who I'm talking about, Queen. Yeah. I don't know, Kevin, I don't know how the hell I missed Queen because I started going to concerts on my own. Uh, things were different back then. When I was, when we were 16, 17, we would just jump on the train into the city and then we would go to shows. And we didn't really, you know, we were rockers, but if it was like an Allman Brothers type Southern rock, that's good. Or if it was a heavy metal, a Black Sabbath, well, that's good. Or if it was a prog rock, like a Yes, or, you know, that's good. Or if it was even on the lighter side, what do I mean by the lighter side? Like an Elton John or a Billy Joel? We, we, point is, is we basically went to everything. So with that in mind, I basically got to see everyone, um, including all four Beatles. Wow. 
and not at a Beatles show. No, my, my parents did not take me to the Beatles. <laughs> I saw McCartney, the Wings Over America, on his first tour. I saw George Harrison, uh, I think in 74, 75, uh, uh, the, he was at the Garden. Um, and uh, I've seen Ringo a number of times, a few times over the years. But the, the missing link is John Lennon. So how did I get to see John Lennon? Well, you could, John Lennon's last public um, appearance as an artist was Thanksgiving night of 1974, when Elton John and Lennon had a, it's not a one-hit wonder. It was a big hit. Whatever gets you through the night. Okay. And at the same time, Elton John was involved in sort of a not that great Sgt. Pepper's movie where he was doing loose or it was doing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. So there they are, New York City, and uh, su supposedly that got. Uh, Elton John doing that got Yoko, I don't know if this is good or bad, got Yoko or, and John Lennon back together. But uh, yeah, so I was there at that 74 Madison Square Garden Elton John show and John Lennon came out and did the aforementioned songs and came on for the encore and uh, played guitar on the bitches back, uh, the Elton John song and uh, that was really special, but I missed Queen. How the hell I missed Queen, I don't know. Yeah, Queen is is one of the few bands that uh, that I look back and and there there's like three that I wish I could have seen. Queen is is one band. I never got to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I always uh, regretted that. And going way back, I was a huge Elvis fan as a kid. Oh. I discovered Elvis when I was like six years old, when they would show like this, um, you know, they would advertise like these compilation albums on TV that you would have to send, not available in stores, right? You would have to send away for these yeah, albums. Yeah, KTEL, KTEL There was an Elvis album and it had all the big Elvis hits and he's wearing, this is like white suit mm -hmm. Elvis. And I was like, my God, who is this guy? And these songs were so cool. Right, so I became an Elvis fan. This is like 1974. Um, Elvis came to the Baltimore Civic Center in 1977, just a few months before he died. And I wanted to go, but like I didn't, like I, because my mom liked Elvis too, so did my dad. Uh, but they didn't go out, they didn't do concerts and things like that. So like right. I kind of wanted to go, but I didn't push it. How and old were you? Uh, I was 10 years old. I was okay. Yeah, so was you, certainly we're dependent. I, so it's funny because I, I love that story of your of your early times going to the uh, lovely uh, arena and what what was the arena in Baltimore called? The lovely Baltimore Civic Center. Yeah, good. The lovely Civic Center. So they're taking you to wrestling at the <laughs> Civic Center. Right. Smoke filled. Uh, urine encrusted, right? <laughs> but they wouldn't go to Elvis. But hey, they're still good parents, nevertheless. That's true. You know, it's because, like, you know, obviously in hindsight, had I known that was literally a last chance to see him, 
Yeah, but it was like, eh, like I don't know what it was. Like there was something else going on. Maybe we were going on vacation. Even I don't know. There was some reason why we couldn't go. And I was like, ah, that's all right. We'll we'll catch him next time he comes around. And well, I'm glad that. you brought that up because now I never really think this way. But I I never saw Elvis, and now particularly like in the era when I was going to all these shows as a late teen into my 20s um i mean of course elvis when did he pass away 77 yeah august of 77 is when he passed away yeah i even back then i mean i knew his place in in music history but uh he didn't play that often and i wasn't gonna really go out of my way so yes i would have loved to see him but you know who i did get to see talk about legends frank sinatra Oh, okay. That's definitely cool. You know, some of say, "Well, that's not rock and roll." Yes, it is. It's 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 uh, it's ballad, uh, whatever you want to term it. But yeah, I saw Sinatra on his seventy fifth birthday tour. Uh, I think he did a couple of shows, maybe one in L.A. And this one was at the old Brendan Byrne Conti Continental arena uh what other names did it have it had quite a few names yeah, it not few. even it's not even operable anymore right but yeah so but, but yeah queen was my first choice but you jogged my memory yeah elvis i would have loved to have seen all right let's go to question number four what in your opinion who in your opinion is the most overrated band Ooh. I'm gonna get in trouble here. Um, we're gonna offend. We're gonna offend somebody because no matter who you say is overrated, they're gonna be fans of that band that thinks we're crazy. But go ahead. Um, overrated. Let, let, let's let me think on that for a second. Let's go back to that one. Okay. All right. Let's see. Question uh, number five. Let's shift over to uh, something else I know that you love, which is baseball. Yes. Who is your favorite baseball player of all time? Well, most of these favorites of all time come from our childhood, right? Yes. So for me, although I saw him in a uh, very uh, diminished state, far from the peak of his career, but nevertheless, my dad, be, you know, if, if you're not brought up as a Yankee fan, I understand how easy they are to dislike. You know, it just like that old Broadway show, Damn Yankees, you know, because they win, they win all the time. Um, but I, but my dad was a lifetime Yankee fan, so I was a Yankee fan. And you know what I'm going to say, it was Mickey Mantle. Um, getting to see Mickey Mantle. Uh, I remember running home from school, running home from school at eight years old to see the 64 series with the Cardinals and the Yankees. They were all day games. Yeah. So the game started at two. By the time I left school and 
I just remember that it was I didn't have a ride. Like once in a while, the, the mothers would carpool. Did you ever do a carpool when you were a kid? Uh, no, we never did. Yeah, but so, but this day I had a I had a zip home because I wanted to see uh see that and that was like that was Mantle's uh what he had a walk off home run in the fifth game uh. He had three home runs in that series. He had eight. And, you know, when they're flashing up that Jose Altuve has 22 postseason home runs. <laughs> and he broke, um, I don't know, uh, a, a modern day player who had 21. What they're not telling you is Mantle had 18 World Series home runs. Right. There was no postseason. Right, exactly. Yes, he got to play in a lot of World Series, but you still had to deliver. So he was my boyhood hero, and uh, what a flawed guy. Um, I remember the day he died in the 90s. I got in my car. And I went to Yankee Stadium. It was a Sunday. He died on a Saturday night. And uh, I went to that Sunday game. And I knew from that there was not going to be some huge ceremony. But they're going to do something, right? And, uh, yeah. Um, if you want to see something, Kevin, and I know that you're not a Yankee fan, but you're a sports fan. Um, the it's on YouTube, the 1969 Mickey Mantle Day. He had retired in 68, and they gave him a tribute. And the the full 45, 50-minute tribute is in very good condition on YouTube. And the thing about it, it stands out is this is arguably the record for the longest standing ovation by a crowd which is between seven to nine minutes and where he finally gets introduced and DiMaggio's on the field, Rizzuto's on the field, Barra's on the field, Billy Martin, all these guys. And it took approximately eight minutes for the crowd to calm down enough so Mantle could talk. He keeps going to the microphone and the crowd roar goes up. It's like, it's it's crazy. You, you, you would love it. Check it out sometime. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, as a, as a, a Baltimore guy and an Orioles fan, certainly I, I'm a Yankee hater. But obviously, as a baseball fan and historian, uh, I certainly appreciate all the rich history with the Yankees and certainly Mickey Mantle and what he brought to the, to the sport and really transcended the sport. So, yeah, I can certainly appreciate appreciate all those things. Uh, let me ask you a very specific question. This will be question number six, and I'm asking this for a specific reason. Former Red Sox uh, player Dwight Evans, huh. in your opinion, is he a Hall of Famer? He's not in the Hall of Fame. Do you think he should be? I, I don't know enough specifics about his career, but... Despite Bobby Cruz going to want to hate me, I'd say no. Yeah, I say no as well. Because uh, 
you know, and you know why? Because I should know some specifics about his career. Like, you know, ooh, he was uh, American League batting champion four times, or I, and, I, and maybe he was, but I don't think so. No. No, Dwight uh, Evans, and that's yeah. Well, I'm asking this obviously because Bobby Cruz, when he was on, uh, feels very strongly that Dwight Evans should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I asked Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, Red Sox fans, when they were on, and of course they 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 agree he should be in the Hall of Fame. My criteria is uh, you have to have been one of the very best of the best for a stretch of time to get in to me. That's what I think as a Hall of Famer. Not necessarily a guy who just played for 20 years and was was good. Uh, if he was never considered one of the top two or three players in the game at any given time, and Dwight Evans wasn't, to me, put him in the Hall of Very Good. You're not in the Hall. You're not one of the greatest players of all time. Question number seven. This is another sports question. What is the greatest sports moment that you witnessed in person? We've all seen a lot of great stuff on TV. Is there a great moment that you recall, like that you were there for? Yes, um, probably a few, but I was there in 2001 or 2000 when when, uh, David Cohn pitched a perfect game. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, he pitched a perfect game and he did this. And uh, once again, as a Yankee fan, this is really special. Before the game, for no particular reason, it wasn't an old-timers day. It was a Sunday day day game. Don Larson and Yogi Berra came out uh, to throw out Larson throwing the first pitch to Berra. Now, which... Uh, you'll have to explain this to, to the listeners, but Don Larson pitched a perfect game in the World Series. That's no hits, no walks, no errors, no nothing. That's cool, though, that you were at a perfect game. I've been going to games for you know since I was a kid. I've never seen a no-hitter. I've never even really come close to seeing a no-hitter, much less a perfect game. I was also at Dave Rigetti's no-hitter on July 4th in 84 against the uh, – pitching for the Yankees against the Red Sox. Wow. Yeah, and that was it's July 4th was Steinbrenner's birthday. All right, this will take us out of the sports questions, and this is this is one of my go-tos on, uh, on 10 questions, but I don't think I asked you last time you were on. That's one of my favorite questions, though. Uh, question number eight. Carrie, have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe in it? Um... I have never had a paranormal experience where I can, you know, say yes and, well, what was it, Carrie? Well, I I must not have had one, but uh, I don't discount it. How about that? All right. So, yeah, you're saying it's possible. It's possible. Okay. All right. Question number nine. Uh, Carrie, you and I, we we talk weekly uh, about... (laughs) football picks, right? We, we seem to talk every Sunday about our picks and we both do horribly uh, week in and week out. But I'm going to ask you anyway, uh, question number nine, as of right now, who do you like to win the Super Bowl this season? The way the season's going, nobody. <laughs> 
do they have to have a winner? Exactly. I know. It just seems like no one wants to, unless I missed something from my uh, my paramutual wager, wagering debacle for the for the for the last <laughs> over the last few weekends, and I'm not paying attention. It doesn't seem like any of these teams want to be like the standout team. Uh, you know, you see flashes flashes of uh, greatness one week and uh, not, nothing the next week. Yeah. Um, I hate to pick Tampa, but I would. Th I think Tampa's probably going to be in it. Yeah, that's not a bad pick. I mean, yeah, obviously they won it last year, uh, but they have Tom Brady, and as long as you have the GOAT, uh, you have a chance. Here, here's what I would love to see, uh, because I don't really think the Ravens, even though the Ravens are right up there and they've got a good I chance. I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the, no, it's the no-brainer, right? We all want to see the Bucks and the Patriots in the Super right. Bowl. Whether we want to admit it or not, I think, you know, because I know a lot of people don't like Tom Brady and don't like Belichick, but just for the historic nature of it, just for the, you know, we're in a storyline business here in pro wrestling, so... The storyline of, I mean, this is, you couldn't write this any better, right? It has to be the Bucks and the Patriots, Belichick against Brady in the, on the biggest stage. Like, I feel like the, the football gods want that to happen, and it needs to happen. And it, it would be financially good for the, for the league, the TV, and with that in mind, we're probably going to see it. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, before I go to the final question, question number ten, I want to circle back to uh, yes. the earlier one that you were okay. That which was uh, most overrated. Well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in trouble with this one. Um, I don't even know if you would. I'm gonna throw a name out. I don't even know if he's rated highly enough to even be called overrated. But I was gonna say the Steve Miller band. <laughs> You know Steve Miller? Of course, fly like an eagle. Right, big uh, yeah. jetliner. Uh, sure. But he's got two of the worst songs of all time that became big hits. God bless him. Abracadabra. <laughs> I want to reach out and grab you. Yeah. Hey, he it made more money. <laughs> and the other one is, uh, and you're gonna know this. It's it's right now as we speak. Dozens of classic rock FM stations that are still in existence are playing this song right now. Keep on rocking me, baby. <laughs> keep on rocking me, baby. Now, see, I'm gonna agree with you on Abracadabra, but keep on rocking. Like, I, I, it's okay. I have no issues with that song. Abracadabra, though, Jesus. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention any other bands. I had a few to mention, but uh, I'll leave it at Steve Miller. All right, well we've come to the final question, question ten, uh, and I said I've, I've tailored a lot of these questions just for you, and this is one I'm interested in. Question ten: What is going on with Last Stop Penn Station, your podcast with Ian? Are we gonna see more uh, episodes, or what, what, what's the story with Last Stop Penn, Penn Station? Well. You know, Last Stop Penn Station was pretty much a chronicle, a mixture of a chronicle of my 
life so life story just the different phases of my life hustling tickets on the street uh problems with drugs uh rock and roll stories uh, mixed in and of course pro wrestling and good times you know with ring of honor and um i sort of i was planning i'm i'm planning to try to release a print version of last stop penn station um which if we go back a year ago to the podcast i was all hot and uh, heavy on but uh it just sort of it's just something that stalled and uh myself and ian uh are planning to do some more episodes um it's just one of those things you know we we i need some guests i need i need some new material and uh we'll just see what happens with it okay all right great well yeah i, I was a big fan of, of last stop penn station you do you got some amazing stories you had an amazing life uh i'm sure you got plenty more to tell um last stop penn station has a website as i mean if people want to sort of follow it and 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 uh, catch up on old episodes uh yeah, they're all on itunes there there's oh. there's a last stop penn station website they're on spotify and all these other places i guess when you maybe you would know this better than i do i guess when you put something on itunes what it just stays there forever uh i, I believe so i'm not 100 certain but i believe so so yeah if someone wants to hear some some really interesting stuff about roh and pro wrestling and rock and roll and just some stories about wild characters there's a uh, close to 80 episodes up there and uh there'll be some more in the future and uh i'm really glad we did this today kevin uh me as well me as well i'm glad we got a chance to uh to talk final battle past present hopefully future uh before i uh, wrap this up with you uh carrie I know you do the social media thing a little bit, right? Where can uh, people follow you? A little bit. Um, yeah, R-O-H Carry, R-O-H-C-A-R-Y, at uh, R-O-H Carry for Twitter and uh, Facebook. Uh, does anyone still use Facebook? Uh, I do a little. Um, a little bit, I'm, yeah, a little bit. I'm on Facebook a little. And uh, Instagram is R-O-H Carry also. And, uh, but hopefully you'll be you'll be uh, greeting me in person. The, the fans of of uh, at Final Battle coming up this weekend, and uh, it, it, that's another good thing, Kevin, that we didn't touch on. We've had a great fan base over the years. Of course, they change, and some stay the same, some stay around. But we have, you know, it's always been the Ring of Honor fans, and. Uh, I look forward to seeing uh, people this coming Saturday, including you. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up about the fans. Um, uh, Taven and, and Bennett and I talked about it some, the special relationship with Ring of Honor and its fans, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up uh, as well. Um, and yeah, uh, say it one more time, December 11th, final battle, end of an era in Baltimore. It's on pay-per-view, it's on Honor Club, Fight TV. Uh, Still some tickets available. Join us in Baltimore at the former UMBC Event Center this coming Saturday. Uh, it's a show you're not going to want to miss if you've ever been a fan of Ring of Honor. Uh, and, Carrie, I will definitely see you there. 
And hey, man, thanks again for uh, I remember when we were talking about this beforehand, we're like, well, I don't know. We can have enough to talk about. Maybe right. let's try to at least get an hour out of this thing. And, and here we are uh, two hours. If, if anyone has stayed with us this far, <laughs> right. I have my hand on my parents grave. <laughs> Number one, it was I don't know if I really want to do this, Kevin, because uh, you know, just uh, I'm just sort of it's it's me personally. I'm just sort of blah, and and then number the, the second thing was well, it'll be short. We 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 have a good rapport, and we're not going to talk much about you know uh, the specific matches. But that was like one of the best things. The whole thing was good. I I, I always I enjoy talking to you, whether we're picking bad football picks. <laughs> or just just talk shooting shooting the uh, shooting the you know what right. but um it was really nice to look at this card that is upcoming as as much fun as it was to think about those old cards and reminisce it was really cool to and important for me to have you go over these matches and i i knew about them but i really didn't think about it a lot. And now after thinking about it and talking about it, it makes it really exciting. And uh, I look forward to seeing you Saturday night. Absolutely. Absolutely. Likewise, my friend. And uh, I want to thank everybody out there as well for listening today. And I want to remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor, for anyone still doing Facebook, uh, for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.